Hosts Elle and Miriam are two black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Today's podcast is one that is very close to my heart because when my daughter was in kindergarten, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. It is one of the reasons that I continued to homeschool my children for so long. People homeschool for a variety of different reasons, but health concerns was my top reason. Today, I want you to go on a history lesson with me and learn and explore a little bit about type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. The body attacks a person's pancreas and causes the patient to need insulin to regulate the glucose in their blood. For example, there are multiple reasons why type 1 diabetes is referred to as juvenile diabetes because it mostly affects children are usually that's when a person finds out that they have type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a growing concern for families worldwide. One of the earliest accounts of diabetes was found on papyrus and dates back to the Egyptians in 1550 BC. Written in hieroglyphics on papyrus, ancient Egyptians documented the occurrence of excessive urination thirst, and weight loss, which are symptoms of type 1 diabetes. People who had it were encouraged to eat more whole grains to regulate their body's glucose levels. Today's African proverb is, speech is an egg. If it drops on the floor, what it does is shatter. And that is a Yoruba proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the country of Haiti. Excellent. Excellent. It means excellent in Haitian Creole. Welcome to another 
another Cleverly Changing podcast. I am one of your hosts, El Cole, and we are super excited about our guest today. We have a new guest and a new conversation, so definitely share this podcast and let a friend know because this is one episode you don't want to miss. Miriam, can you introduce yourself for everybody? Sure thing. I'm Miriam. I am the mother of four Little ones, I've been homeschooling them for well, we've been at uh, about five years. Why can I never remember this? I do not know because time just, you know, it's time. Five years and I am a small urban farmer and a writer and editor. And we are really excited to get into today's interview because we have a, another homeschooling mom and another health advocate here. So, Miss Mary, would you be so kind as to let our guests know who you are, what you do, and we'll get into some questions. You bet. Yeah, I am Dr. Mary Bell Carlson. I am a mother of three. I have three girls ages six, just turned five, and 19 months. So I am at the other end of the spectrum, the really little spectrum. Uh, I also am a professor at two universities. I teach at University of Georgia, as well as Texas Tech in their financial planning programs. Um, I also am on the board for George Mason University's uh, financial planning program. I teach and love financial planning and financial education. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that, given uh, what we're going to talk about today. And just three weeks ago, my daughter was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So we are brand new to this field and I am just pleased to be here and learn from you and share our challenges and opportunities as well. So thanks for having me. No problem. Wow. Three weeks. I'm sure things are changing, you know, in a major way. How are you all handling the, the shift? Because I know it's a, a major that's a major life event there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I will tell you it's literally minute by minute. <laughs> I am, I am a planner by nature. So I have always loved kind of having th my life planned out, you know, things that, and when you get thrown a curveball like this, it has really thrown me for a loop. And I am learning with diabetes that you need to have structure. In fact, it's structure in all the ways that I don't want to have structure, meaning we have to eat a certain time. I have to meal prep, which I am not good at meal prepping or even knowing what we're going to eat by the moment. You have to count carbs. Like there's so many of the detailed things that are just not my strength. And yet you learn it when it happens, you just kind of learn it. So a quick note on our story, we were actually down in the Outer Banks and we were on vacation. I had just finished grades at Georgia and taken off for vacation and we had a series of sicknesses. Uh, so we ended up in the uh, urgent care a couple of times while we were down there. Uh -huh. And I remember that Thursday. So we left on a Sunday. I, I, let me back up a little bit. My daughter had taught, complained for two years of her stomach hurting. Uh -huh. And so I took her into our pediatrician who I just love and adore. And I said, hey, I don't know what else to tell you, but her stomach hurts. <laughs> and he just said, let's run some blood tests. So the being the planner that I am, that was on a Monday. And I thought, Let's get this done on a Saturday. So the blood test, we'll have plenty of time to get back before her next appointment in a couple of weeks. And so we left for vacation on that Sunday. And while I was in the pool swimming with my daughters, my older two daughters, and my husband comes running out. This is Thursday afternoon and says, get out of the pool right now. We've got to take Clara to the ER. And I was like, 
what? What's going on? So we jump out, we get over to urgent care a third time in that same trip. And uh, sure enough, her blood sugar level at that moment was 407. So they sent us straight to the hospital. Um, and we spent, uh, a couple of hours in the ER there and it was really hard. Like her glucose was extremely high, but she was having no other symptoms. And so the ER doctor said, you know, do I treat the patient or do I treat the number and long, long story short, they were going to transfer us to Norfolk. And I just was like, I can't do this. And so we got her stabilized enough to where we got her back home. We actually live out of Northern Virginia. And so we got her stabilized enough where we got grandpa and my other two kids home and then got her into the children's hospital there in Fairfax. And so we were there not even 36 hours. Uh, it took him about 12 hours to re- actually diagnose her with type one, uh, because her blood sugars were going anywhere from hundred to 400, uh, very quickly. And so they weren't quite sure they ran a few other tests and came back and said, absolutely. She's had type one for quite a while. And we just happened to find it before, um, she had to go to the ICU. So we feel very fortunate that we didn't have to go through the ICU. The hard part was the insurance would only pay for a 24 hour stay for us. And so we had to leave at the end of 24 hours. I had given her one shot and, um, one finger prick before we left. And they said, okay, you're on your way. Good luck. And they sent me home. I am not kidding. I took a two bags. Like I took a giant picture of the pharmacy (laughs) equipment that I was being sent home with. I am not a nurse. I hate shots. I have no background in this. And they were like, good luck. And I just have felt very, you know, even with the doctor, you, you don't go in for a month or two, like you don't see anyone or hear anyone or you just kind of go, wow. And yet there's such a big life change. It's food, it's lifestyle. It's so much of it. So we've had a tremendous changing in that same three weeks. We've are both our cars have been down. Our water heater has gone out. Our basement has flooded. And this is all what we're trying to figure out type one. So it has been a very, very eventful three weeks. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you say that. Because I have experienced all of those things as well. (laughs) But not at the same time, thankfully. Um, And I know that when my daughter was diagnosed with type one, it was overwhelming just because it's a different way of life. You know, the the carb counting alone is like, what? Now all of a sudden I have to be a mathematician. And so it's it really puts you on high alert as to what types of foods you're putting in your body because now you have to look at the nutrition facts. Like you don't really have a choice. And then if you are a parent that does a lot of cooking from scratch, then you have to measure everything and it just makes things so much more complex. So I know that you are a homeschool mom. Did you homeschool before she was diagnosed or is this new? So this is all very, very new to us. So let me back up a bit. She um, was my COVID kid. And so literally the world shut down when she was three months in preschool. (laughs) And so during that time, I pretty much have had her home for all four years of her life. And so we knew this year, she's also my more shy and a bit reserved kid. Um, And so we just felt a need to have her go out. So we actually had her in a preschool. I homeschooled my oldest daughter 
who is starting kindergarten. Um, and that's what I did this year. So I had one in homeschool, one in preschool, and then of course, another one, the baby was home with me. And so it was a real kind of ebb and flow. We found out, so we actually got the diagnosis three days before school was out. And so at that point I had kind of wound up my homeschool. I mean, the, the funny part with homeschool is you don't really ever end it, right? Like there's no firm start or end date. And so we kind of just took a pause because the last three weeks have been insane. And in fact, my, my oldest that I've been homeschooling comes in and tells me, mom, I really miss doing school. Can we do that again? So I'm sure we'll like pick it up again. And even my uh, four-year-old now five-year-old who has type one, she came back and said, Hey, I really want to do something. So that's, I think the joy of homeschool is that it's kind of ebb and flow. You know, we finished what we needed to, the girls are on par for next year. Um, but, and we are, I will put this out there. We are considering public school. They actually both have said, Hey, we want to go back and try public school which L I'm sure you can relate to. There's a bit of fear when your type one goes to mm-hmm. out of your presence. Right. And mm-hmm. we're kind of finagling with some of our glucose monitoring right now. And there's in my mama heart, there's still a lot of, I don't know if I can do this. I might keep you home because homeschool in some ways is easier for that kind of stuff. So we're learning, Absolutely. we're kind of figuring it out now. Yeah. I think what you just mentioned is, is more of, you know, it's already, there's a lot to do and a lot of things to check on when a child has diabetes. And it's like a classroom is already full. So how, how is the teacher going to help me with all of that? And I think, you know, for me, my daughter, I didn't put her in until she was in seventh grade. So this is her very first year at a traditional school and she did well, but for me, she was able to really self-manage in many ways. And so I, although I trained the teachers and taught, taught, um, talked to them and really explained it, it was really up to her more so to pay attention to herself. And so that's what eased my fears. And I know that that's a little bit different because your daughter is so young, but I will say that um, the more you do at home, you can actually give her more um, insight as to how is she feeling, kind of how to communicate different things. And I think it's that communication that's very helpful because when they're low, they feel it. And so training her to really understand what her body is telling her, I think is helpful. And so that's what I did with my daughter. She was diagnosed at six. So she's a little bit older than your daughter. But from the very beginning, we made sure to have open dialogue and that communication so that, you know, if something were to happen and she had to give herself a shot, she could. And I think, you know, as a homeschool mom, you're already teaching your child. So to put those health lessons on top of it is natural. Yeah. And I think that, so I just had an experience just today, actually, of how sometimes, because I would say arguably most of the time when she's low, she feels it and tells me, mom, I don't feel good. Here's my symptoms, blah. And so I know immediately check the sugar go. We actually just had a switch from a Dexcom to a Freestyle Libre for insurance purposes. And we can talk about the financial side of, <laughs> of diabetes a bit, but, but right now with the Freestyle, she has to have my phone. So I am without a telephone. I had to use my husband's phone. So my husband has no communication while he's at work. Um, and I would not have cut it. She was at a a little camp uh, uh, for a couple of hours today. 
and we had an experience. She was in the 400. So we had given her insulin. She was coming back down. She went and spiked clear up to the 400s, dropped all the way down to the 200s. And then all of a sudden my phone goes off. She's at 53. And so, and then I called the place where she was and no one picked up the phone. So I jumped in the car and sped over and made sure, Hey, she's got apple juice is all the rest. But I asked her, I said, do you, what did you feel like? And she's like, Eh, I didn't feel that bad this time, mom, but yet the number you have to address quickly. And so that's, it's just been a real learning process for us. And even today was a good example of, even though you're turning them over to trusted individuals, school nurses, those that, that can, you're right. They have to be in charge of their own healthcare. And even at the age of five, she's going to have to be more aware. And it's hard. It's really hard for a mom to kind of let go of that and say, can you handle it? And I, it's something we're going to have to work out and say, is she going to be capable of doing that at five years old? You know? Yeah, for sure. Cause you want to give them that autonomy, but at the same time, you know, kids are kids and absolutely brush their teeth even, you know? So, and they want to play, you know, she just wants to play and be a kid. Yeah. You did mention that you had a Dexcom. So she, you're using a pump for, Oh no. No. Um, So here, so yeah, the going kind of going back, what we're kind of figuring out is we got a glucose, we got a Dexcom in the hospital. Um, and I'll tell you, we went to go refill it and the prescription was over a thousand dollars. And that would, we, that's something that we have to refill every three months. That's three months of a, of a glucose monitoring system. And so I switched over and started calling medical durable equipment because I knew enough to be like, okay, this isn't my only option. And it was going to be a $5,000 deductible and $1,700 every three months. And so we just kind of came back and said, this is not financially possible to keep this on for the rest of our life. So what's our other options? And, And I'll note here, we have really good insurance. My husband's employed with the federal government. So this is not like we don't have something that was simply our co-pays. And unfortunately, as part of this whole thing, we're also learning, you kind of have to play the insurance game. And so insurance is doing the freestyle Libre, which is does not work with a pump. And it's one that you actually physically have to touch and they won't let us have a pump for about six months. So we're still having to do the insulin shots and and everything. So it's a lot of hands-on right now. Um, But I was shocked. I had, I will tell you as a financial planner, (laughs) I had no idea how expensive diabetes was. And I am, I have had a very quick three week education of just not only how expensive it is, but just the hurdles that you have to go through for a disease. And this is the part that I think has helped me is this is a disease that I did not bring on my child. She did not create. This is not, she has type one diabetes. It is just something she was born with and a way her body reacted and there was no stopping it. And I think that's been really hard for me to process that. Um, And even going back to your comment earlier, we've been at grief stage. I mean, my life has changed so much in this first month that there's a bit of a grieving process, almost as if you lost your old life. And you're spending time grieving that and kind of coming back. So it's been a lot of emotion between grief, between anger and frustration sometimes with insurance companies and others, and just the difficulty, the complexity, you know, you're up at at two o'clock in the morning checking, you're back up at four, we're giving our shots at 6am. So there's very little sleep happening at this stage too. And everyone tells me, 
a year from now, it'll be much more in sync. But I will, t I am writing it right now. I'm journaling a lot because I want to remember how difficult it is in the beginning and be empathetic to other moms and, and individuals that are going through this because it's hard. Oh man, that's tough to hear. I remember when Elle first started on this and it was, it was heartbreaking. I've known those little babies since they were little babies. And I was like, it was my own child in a way. And I just felt so, you know, like, this is kind of crazy. And then there's, you know, and then to hear all the tales of like, you're detailing all the insurance stuff. It's, it's not fair how people with chronic conditions have to suffer so much that they're really people who are, wanting to make the lion's share out of someone else's. I mean, I don't think that these people are really understanding how they're impacting people's lives. And then you hear these commercials and stuff and they say, yes, please do not reuse needles. Well, I know exactly why people reuse needles because I mean, yeah. really yeah. something that's so it's such a lifeline and it's such a necessary part of many people's lives all across the globe. Yeah. And Miriam, it's such an interesting part because there's emotional, there's uh, spiritual, there's physical, and you're dealing with all of those things at the same time. There's financial, you know? And so the part of my financial brain, right. Goes, well, thank goodness we had an emergency fund because we literally dropped about five grand in three weeks between the, the water heaters, the cars, the everything else. And, and that's, that's a significant amount for most Indeed. people, you know, mm. and, and that's where I think as I'm going through this, I teach a course in financial counseling and communication. And usually when I get students, we, they go through real retirement and taxes and insurance and investments, all these very technical driven classes. And then they get to my class at the end uh, of their uh, master's degree. And they go, I've had a lot of them come and go, Ugh, this is like the soft, touchy, feely side of personal finance. And I, what are you going to teach me kind of in a way? And it has been so interesting as I've taught that class, watching the transformation in my students, because the stories that they're dealing with, like a lot of times in wealth management, we deal with really the upper 3% of the middle of really the top class, not just even the middle class. There, there's very much wealth management there. And so when we go and I give, not just give the stories, but then they start understanding bankruptcy, debt, credit cards, all the things that everyone deals with. It is like a whole new world that a lot of them open up to. And they say, I've, I've used this stuff so much. And so that's, I think the part for me that I think I really can appreciate and bring value to is the empathy, you know, of not just saying, oh, well, so-and-so is declaring bankruptcy because it's their own fault and they should have to pay it back. And I hear that a lot sometimes from planners. And I just think you've not walked this walk. You have no idea what someone has got through and what they're having to go through to declare that the number one reason that people declare bankruptcy is medical and it is so difficult. And so I just think that sometimes we can quickly judge others and yet the empathy is what we need to lead with, not the judgment. 
What you're just mentioning is definitely touching to me because last year I did my first caregivers conference where I focused attention on the caregivers and I partnered with uh, Sickle Cell Foundation to do that because I knew I needed a team of people to really bring my idea to fruition. But mm -hmm. one of our themes was um, about empathy. And I think that's a really big part of it because all of the things that you mentioned, the, the grief, and what people have to understand is you're not grieving loss as far as loss of a loved one, but right. you can be having feelings about the loss of hopes, the loss of your free time, the loss yeah. of finances. It's, it's many different losses that come into play when it comes to a chronic illness because it is a life changer. And yes, things will get easier, but the truth is your life has fundamentally changed from yeah. now forever because you will always be caregiving for your child in some way. Even when she moves out, even when she gets married even when you know her you know she's an adult and may one day have her own kids you're always going to be thinking about that and I think for me I've had to learn how to cherish those moments that we really value and you know teaching my child different things and seeing her growth and taking care of her own health. And I think there are these silver linings in the face of chaos because there are some days where diabetes will do its own thing and yeah. it's unpredictable. Yeah. And, and that's just a fact. So even when things get easier, there will be those days that are completely unpredictable. But the thing is, is how you learn how to handle your different emotions in the face of that unpredictability. And the fact that you're, you know, able to plan and you're a planner, I think that part of it, you will have, you have an advantage to that. Absolutely. And for me, I think, you know, my husband also has type one. And mm -hmm. so I knew that my daughter, that the advantage I have is I knew that she could grow up to be accomplished, to go to college, to do things that she wanted to do. And so I knew for me, it was not a loss of dreams. And I think that that was a key in my uh, mindset and the perspective that I had. And so I'm, I'm just sharing that because I think it's very important for people to understand that you know, sometimes people think, oh, just change what you eat when it comes to diabetes and type one diabetes and diabetes in general is much more complex than that. And there. so it's almost like everything they eat is something you have to monitor. It's not just just a few things. And so um, it changes the family's dynamic, not Absolutely. just that child's dynamic. And so I think you know, the fact that you've been able to regroup, you look well rested. I know that it's those midnight times. I will yeah. say that I am able to sleep now. We're what, seven years into it, I think. <laughs> um, and so I am able to sleep now, but it was years of still waking up during the night to check her. And so um, I think it's just important for you to, to get that rest, but I know that it's hard. Just like when people have newborns and they say rest <laughs> when the baby sleeps, you know, that's, that's not even realistic. So, no, no. Uh, so, so a full night's rest in this early stage to me, I'm not, I'm going to be honest and say, you know, it sleep when happen. you can. 
Yeah, it doesn't. But I think, you know, you touched on so many different points about the finances. And I can relate to that because we we have my husband also works for the government. We have a good insurance, but you you can shop around. So that's what I will say. I've had to learn to look at different companies. You mentioned that you had, but there are some talk to your insurance. I've had to call them multiple times. And what I found out about our insurance, and I'm going to share this because it was something revolutionary because I did not know about it for years, but our insurance has a pharmacy benefit that will cover my daughter's CGM Mm -hmm. and pumps and other supplies, not her pump supplies, but her other supplies. If I get her Novolog on the same day. So they have to run the Novolog first and then her Dexcom and her other supplies um, will be will be covered so it's called a diabetic bundle well i appreciate that and i think that's the hard part for me it's even as i have a phd in financial planning and that's hard i mean people don't have the ability to be able to know all the ins and outs of insurance and it changes that's the other hard part so i i think that like as you're going through this for any listeners out there that maybe don't have a type one daughter or child or really anything. Um, I think if you have a friend that's maybe going through something, something I would recommend is as you show empathy, what that looks like is just being there in the moment with them and allowing them to share, to be, to become whatever it is. If they need a shoulder to cry on, probably one of the worst things that I've had is comparison. I really, really struggle when people are like, I'm so sorry your daughter has this, but here's what happened to me, right? None of us want to hear that. And so that would be my my feedback. And even one of the things I noticed too, Ellen, I don't know what your experience was like, but mine was as we were going through this, there was a lot of positivity. And yes, am I really glad that there's so much modern technology and this is something we can deal with for the rest of her life and she can lead a full life. But in that moment, in the first two days of diagnosis, I heard so much, hey, you got this, your mom, you are, you were made for this mom, you can do it. If anyone can do it, you can do it. And I just had had enough. And I remember picking up those two bags of prescriptions and bawling. In fact, I have a, a Instagram post that I posted on it. And I just said, enough, like, I can't do this. What empathy looks like for me is just knowing, hey, this sucks. Life is hard and it's hard for everyone, whether you have type one or not, there's a challenge out there for everyone. And just being there, being in the moment, because when it's your kid, it's a much different thing than if it's something else or someone else's. So anyone that's listening to this that maybe doesn't have a type one or doesn't have something in the moment, if you know somebody that does, just be there for them, give them a hug, offer them a listening ear. And that is the best medicine you can have because you can't fix all the insurance problems. You can't fix the type one. You can't fix all the other things. But being there has been, it has meant the world to me to have a little team of people that say, that sucks. That's really hard. I'm sorry. I I totally understand what you mean there. People mean well, I totally, I, you know, they're coming from a place because, you know, in our society, you're supposed to do something. You're supposed to say something. And so they're kind of saying things that, you know, they think is going to encourage you or make you 
feel better and things like that. Yeah. And I recently lost my father and some of the things people have said to me, I was just like, okay, this is not, thanks. Please just don't say anything. <laughs> Yeah, and I had the same. Yep. A lot of the I've, time. So I can totally relate to, you know, hearing people who truly did mean well and everything. But, you know, as you, when you're in the moment of, you know, a life changing event, it's not really what you're looking for. And it's not like, you know, you hate the person that said something about it or anything. It's just, eh, silence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you no, did I, mention the financial aspect of um, managing diabetes, but yeah. how have you managed the financial aspect of homeschooling since you've, you know, taken two children through the process? Yeah, no, it's, I would say, okay, so let me back up pre-diabetes. Um, managing homeschool period is hard <laughs> with or without <laughs> diabetes. Um, it is a very rewarding opportunity. And I actually was surprised. So I mentioned before, I'm a college professor. I was scared to death to homeschool my kindergartner. And I know that may sound ridiculous, but, but it scared me because I do not work with kids. I had no idea. I love my kids. But I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And my husband's like, I think you got this. But long story short, we, we were back and forth. We looked at public school. We looked at private school. And just kind of at the end of last year, there was a lot of craziness, still is a lot of craziness, um, from school shootings to politics and everything else happening. And I just didn't feel comfortable sending her. And so we kept her home. And, and, and I was like, OK, I got this. But I had to come up for me. It was a schedule that really helped. Um, where I had one child at preschool, my daughter, my youngest was actually still taking two naps a day, which I will tell you that is a life changer. <laughs> um, so I kept her taking two naps as much as possible. And that allowed me that one-on-one -on -one time with my oldest to where we could really focus. The second part, I feel like on, on the homeschool side that really helped was finding a curriculum that worked for me. Um, so there's so much homeschool curriculum. There's so many homeschool groups. Like you can just be overwhelmed um, with everything coming at you. And so what I learned, I kind of had to do for me was kind of pull back because too much was not helpful for me. I actually kind of scaled back and found a couple of homeschool groups that I could do things once or twice a week, but then we still had our concentrated home time. And then on the curriculum, I went, <laughs> I must've bought at least half a dozen different ones. And at the end of the day, we were about November into homeschool. And I realized the math curriculum we were using was not working. It was written by a PhD who wanted you to spend 30 minutes prepping it, followed up by this. And I was like, I have, I have no time. Like I'm exhausted at night. I fall into bed. I wake up at 5 a.m. I cannot do this. And so we switched to the same curriculum I was using for language arts. And it's a very... For this one, it was a preset curriculum that we could sit down together as mother and daughter and work through it. And it, it changed, it was life-changing. <laughs> like we just were, we were both happier. I wasn't nearly as stressed. She was able to do some things independently. And so that, I mean, my homeschooling experience was really a lot of learning and I I'm a lifelong learner and I was learning things that in kindergarten that I didn't even remember or didn't know. And so it was really kind of fun for me to be able to do that, but it took some up to speed time. I would say just like diabetes, like we're still in that honeymoon phase, trying to figure out what it is and homeschooling. It took some time. And I'd say it's still a learning process. You never have it 
down. You never have a really arrived with homeschool. I don't feel like for me, it was always like, okay, today was good. Here's what I could do better tomorrow. Right. And there's just that evolution that's always happening, which is exciting, but also hard at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot going on. I'm glad you were able to find a, a curriculum that better suited your needs. Cause you know, it's hard. Honestly, it is. that is the number one question we get asked. Like really the best curriculum for grammar, for math, for, you know, all these various things is, you know, part of, I guess most of us are really preconditioned as to what academics kind of look like. And yeah. so that looks like a curriculum, right? <laughs> so exactly. What do I need to do to be able to teach my children X, Y, and Z? And, you know, it's, it's not always easy trying to figure out if you really need a curriculum. Is this something that you can kind of um, eyeball yourself and, you know, create things as you go along? Um, yeah. You know, for people who are more type A, they really like that structure. And for those yeah. who are a little more relaxed, don't feel the need maybe so much. Or is it according to your child? Like your child is really type A and really wants that more rigid instruction. Or do they really get a lot of, give you a lot of pushback for that? So it's different for everybody, you know, and it's just. Yeah, it's absolutely. And I would say too, sometimes curriculum isn't even the answer. Like you were saying, Miriam, I have the thing that I think helped me feel like I was successful in homeschool. There's no, like you were six, you passed or you didn't pass right in homeschool. It's like, well, I felt like I did well. Okay. Let's keep going. (laughs) My child's functioning. Um, but the, the thing that really helped me was I surrounded myself with a handful of moms that had been doing this for a long time. One of them has been doing it for 12 years, another 15 years. I mean, years and years of experience, right? Graduating kids from high school. And that's what I needed. I really relied on them and just listened to their stories, learned from them. Some of them recommended curriculums that, like I said, did not work for me at all. And that's okay. It worked for them. And that's perfectly fine. Another family that I just admire so much, they have six kids and homeschool every single one of them. She doesn't use a curriculum at all. They actually have a system set up that they do and their kids are so well-versed and they know how to research and will do very well in college. So I think that's the thing that I love about homeschool is just that individuality is my child. So like I mentioned, she's in kindergarten. By November, I realized this is so easy for her and it's boring the living heck out of both of us. Let's switch. So we moved up to a first grade curriculum and you can do that, right? Like there's no right right or wrong. And yet many of us have been trained in that very rigid type A public school mentality that just gets passed along of this is how it is. And I think as a professor, it was really hard on me because I'm used to a right or a wrong, a pass or a fail. (laughs) And Mm. I I really had to step back and untangle some of my own issues (laughs) so that I could let her flourish wherever she's at. She loves art. I don't, but (laughs) I learned to appreciate it more and at least provide those opportunities for her. And so those are the things that I think of homeschool is surrounding yourself with people that are much wiser than you has always been a very successful and they kind of take you into open arms, you know, bring you in and help you and, and just offer that support. And sometimes that shoulder to cry on when you need it. Indeed. Okay. Well, you mentioned having 
the homeschool support system. Have you yes. looked into any um, diabetes or other autoimmune support groups to help guide you along and get some more navigational tools in the toolbox? Really, really good question. So being three weeks in, we, I was amazed. First off, I had no idea one in 10 Americans has diabetes. I had no idea it was that prevalent, but the floodgates have just opened and people have been so kind. And I've had Facebook messages and email messages and phone calls. And even my, my daughter's teacher said, my neighbor's daughter has it. Can I let you out? So people have just come out of the woodwork. And I, right now I have about three or four moms that I'm pretty close to, um, or I'm becoming close to because of the type one that have just reached out and taken me under their wing where I can just text them in the middle of the night. I can call them when I need it. And that has been huge for me. I feel like too, for me, it was, it's almost overwhelming because so many want to support you and help that I just, at some point I was like, thank you so much, but I can't take it on right now because there's so many, as Elle mentioned before, it's such a life changer. It, it affects every part, not just your days, but your nights, your food, everything changes so much that, um, I've started small and then eventually we'll work in, but yeah, I think that is a key to success is surrounding yourself by good people that can help and that reach out. And when you freak out and say, my daughter's at 50, what do I do? <laughs> that they can just kind of guide you and hold your hand and say, it's going to be okay. You know, they're nine, 10, 15 years into diabetes, much different than three weeks. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that you do have something, someone's individuals. Thank who you. Can kind of shore you up and give you you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and it help guide you so that it's not quite so dark, you know, yeah. you're navigating this new space. We do wish you the best of luck in your, Thank you. in your health journey there because I'm sure it's, you know, different for everybody. Not it just, is. <laughs> not just her. Everybody's really feeling and the, the energy shift there. Yeah. Yeah. And Miriam, I'll just even add that the whole point for me is I don't want to forget this. I feel like you bet at being in the ocean where the wave just keeps coming and coming. And sometimes you almost feel like you're stuck in a tidal wave and drowning. And yet you get out and you can barely breathe, get your head above water. And then another wave comes. And at first I was like, I just want to get out of these waves, right? Like I just need breath. I need to get to the shore. And yet I've kind of had this little feeling inside that says, don't forget these moments. And the reason that I don't want to forget these moments is I think that's where empathy lies. That is the blessing of being able to have this disease or this trial or whatever that hard thing that you're going through is that's the part that makes you human. And that's the part where you can be a help and a light to someone else. And so for me, the way I'm trying not to forget these really crappy, hard moments and days is I, I usually am a, a hard copy journaler. I have been so exhausted. I can't even pick up a pen and write. So I've been grabbing my phone and videoing myself in my pajamas just for me, not to share with the world, but just to remember. So I can look back several years from now and be like, I remember that was hard. And then when a new TD or a new type one mom comes through in tears, I'll be like, I remember those days. They're difficult. 
and I'm here for you. So that's kind of my, my closing of just reaching out to others and showing that empathetic side, because everybody's going through something hard and remember these moments when you are going through them, don't try to speed out of them, learn the lessons you need to, and remember them so you can help someone else. Well, that's wonderful advice. That's, I think it's very, uh, commendable of you to be able to take that time to be present, even though it's not in, you know, the circumstances that you would prefer them to be in. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. So on that, in that same vein, do you consider that part of how you care for yourself and nurture yourself? Or do you have some other things that you like to do uh, or that you think that you may be able to implement even in this time of wave, wave after wave after wave? You know, Marion, you ask the hard questions <laughs> because I will tell you, I have thought of this the last couple of weeks is when it comes to self-care, it is for myself, it's been almost nil. You know, I think I may have taken one bath here or there just to try to like regroup and calm, but for the most part, like very little time to self-care because I just feel the flood. And so I would... I do not feel like an expert in this area. I do not have a lot of information to share. I'm still in that drowning moment. But I think for me with that, that I'm learning with self-care is what they tell you in an airplane is in order for you to breathe, you have to put your own mask on first before Mm -hmm. I can help my five-year-old daughter or my 18 month old or 60 year old or whomever. And everyone right now, I will tell you in the moment of crisis, Everyone needs you, your husband, your kids, everybody needs something from you. And so it's really hard to find that time for you to breathe. And that's what I've been trying to think of is when you get on that airplane, they say, get your own mask on first, because if you're not breathing, nobody else is going to be able to either. And so I don't have the solution. I don't know that anyone has the perfect solution for another person, but I do know that self-care is important. And I'll be honest, I figure it out just kind of in the day and in the moment, because I know if I stop breathing, it throws a wrench into my family. And so I need to keep breathing so my kids can keep breathing. Well said, well said, moment by moment. Amen. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) Yeah. It has to happen, you know, even if it's as simple as standing in the sun for two minutes. (laughs) It just yeah. has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned that you have an Instagram account. Yeah. Do you have any other social media where our listeners can, you know, follow your journey and interact with you? I do. And I would love to, to reach out. So I have both Facebook and Instagram and a website called chieffinancialmom.com where oh. I blog about personal finance, and it's going to have a lot more type one diabetes information when I get a lot more education as I'm kind of going through my own journey. I'm I'm sharing that as well. And then I also have a second website called financial behavior keynote group, and that can be found on Twitter and LinkedIn and all the other social media channels. So I'll keep sending those over to you. So you have them in the show notes. Yes, we would love to put those in there so that our listeners can go ahead and hit you up. And we would love to have you back for a purely financial discussion because it's a major part 
of everyone's life and as much as you know it seems like it's difficult or um even unattainable in some I in some ways this is what abstract that's the word I want to use it can seem very abstract for a lot of people and as homeschoolers we like to kind of prepare our children for the real future and you know managing your funds are a big part of that absolutely I'd be honored to come back that would be wonderful because I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your story and the the little nuggets of wisdom that you sprinkled in they've been you know very helpful and I'm sure that you are going to be able to encourage someone else who is also battling some rough waves well thank you both for what you do I think that it's so helpful to have a podcast and just someone to listen to and know and I've listened to your stories and I've appreciated Elle being so open with her health journeys and her families. And it's, it's a light at the end of the tunnel, especially when you're at the beginning of the journey, it's a light to know this too is going to pass. We can make it through uh, and learn from others. So thank you for all that you both are doing. Well, thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you. This has been terrific. So everybody, please remember to go to the show notes page and we look forward to hearing from you. Bye now. cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.